If you would love to support the podcast and keep us on the air, you can over on Kofi. You can buy Rachel and I a coffee. It's four pounds or six bucks. And in doing that, you're actually helping us to reach our goal. We're at 58% at the moment, Royal Community. Thank you so much for supporting us so far. Our target is to reach our yearly subscription for the podcast to keep us on the air. So thank you so much for supporting us in advance. grand fanfare welcome to our podcast keeping up with the windsors dedicated to the royal family each episode will be crowned to the rafters with opinions news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of windsor with your hosts and royal fan girls rachel andrews and michelle soul to grab yourself a cuppa straighten up your tiara shine your knighthood round up your corgis and let's keep up with the windsors Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Keeping Up the Windsors. I'm Rachel. And I'm Michelle. Well, Michelle, after last week in the Caribbean, finally got a bit of a breather. <laughs> we say a breather, but we've got still we still got to keep up with all the stuff we've missed when, you know, the Cambridges were away. But we've also had the Prince Philip's Thanksgiving service this week, which we're going to be talking about in the Royal News. So lots and lots to keep up with. Yeah, so let's get on to the Royal Roundup. Right, Rach, did you know that today, we're recording this on Wednesday the 30th of March, it's 20 years to the day that um, the Qu- Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, died, and she actually died at the age of 101. What an amazing age. That's some good innings, right? <laughs> it is a good innings, you know, she, that, that's what I'm saying about the Queen, when people are saying, oh, you know, she's, yes, the Queen is ageing, but she's got real good genes, so, yeah. you know, there's plenty of life left in the Queen, for sure. And we had an amazing quote, the Queen Mother's famous for, from World War II, and it says, I won't leave the King, and the King will never leave. I think that's in regards to the Blitz, isn't it, Rach? Yeah, because there was um, a photo that they showed of the King and Queen at the time meeting the people in the wreckage of the Blitz, and famously... Buckingham Palace was bombed as well as the East End and the Queen Mother actually said now I feel like we can look the East End in the eye because they was experienced the same thing as these other people and um, did you know show as well that the Queen Mother was patron or president of over 350 organisations and she actually carried out over 40 overseas tours as Queen Mother. I mean it's not surprising she was so hard working wasn't she? Yeah and she was very much beloved by the people as we know from when we went to the Mao and there's that brilliant memorial of the Queen Mother and King George. And there's also that cast iron picture, should we say, of depicting them. And one of the famous um, depictions is of the Blitz. Yeah. And Royal Community, if you're listening right now thinking, oh, what is Rachel and Michelle talking about? We actually have a YouTube video taking you on the journey of us discovering this. And we just came across it on the mile, didn't we, Rach? We kind of knew it was there, but we yeah. didn't know it was there. Do you know what I mean? It was one of those where it's like, oh, there it is. Right. OK, let's have a look at this. Yeah, it was lovely. And like you say, the Blitz for them, I think was a massive turning point in public affection and support, not only for the Queen, for the people, but the people for the Queen as well. So especially after the abdication of king edward as well there's so much history there let's move on to the countess of wessex and it was announced that she has become the new colonel-in-chief of the royal electrical and mechanical engineers 
and she takes over from her predecessor, Prince Philip, who held the role for over 50 mm. years. I mean, it's quite a sexy title, isn't it? <laughs> you know, Colonel in Chief of the Royal Electronical and Mechanical Engineers. I mean, you need to practice it. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of these roles given out to Sophie as well as Prince Edward as well in the next coming months and years, really. And and we welcome it, really, don't we, on the podcast? We think mm-hmm. they, they do yeah. a stellar job and actually the support they give to Her Majesty and you know to the royal family is is it needs more recognition whilst the Cambridges were on their you know whirlwind of a royal tour in the Caribbean which obviously we covered last week we actually missed the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall on their tour of the Republic of Ireland they visited Cookstown which boasts the longest high street in Ireland the Prince of Wales helped to celebrate the 20th anniversary of rural support, a charity providing a number of services to farmers and farming families. And can I just, I'm going to, I'm just going to prepare you right now. There's going to be lots of plaque attacks here. So you ready? <laughs> he, he unveiled a plaque. Plaque attack! <laughs> now we need to come up with an on this. Oh, we've got one. We've got one for cut a cake. Wasn't it Mary Berry? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was Mary Berry. Um, so he unveiled a plaque, plaque attack, and he cut a cake. Mary Mary! <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of these, by the way, so against the spirit of it. <laughs> Charles and Camilla visited Superstars, a charity supporting life-enhancing opportunities for people with learning disabilities. They visited the Superstars Cafe, where 20 adults with learning difficulties can be trained and practice their skills of prep, table service and planning i loved this they gave uh charles and camilla some cupcakes at the end and they did a dance it was amazing and the charity was awarded the queen's award for voluntary service and did you see this rage where charles and camilla sat in a twin bike and they <laughs> tried to ride it but the brakes were on <laughs> this is brilliant charles you can really tell he was probably trying to go for it and he was like hang on a minute this isn't working hang on this is my photo opportunity what's <laughs> happening the guy was like i think the brakes are on <laughs> We also saw them visiting Waterford, uh, voted the best place to live in Ireland, and they made a stop to the Waterford Crystal Factory. Now, this factory was first established in 1783. Waterford Crystal is super, super famous, isn't it? Yeah. It's known worldwide, and it's beautiful. Uh, Charles and Camilla had to go at making the crystal glasses, and uh, one of the, the workers was like, you can start tomorrow, because <laughs> he did such a great job. I was like, go, Charles! <laughs> and did you see them, Rachel? They actually smashed some of the like defected glass in this big massive yeah. like, glass smashing machine. I saw that and I was a bit like, because there was one point Camilla was like, oh, like, what's that noise? Because <laughs> it was loud. Yeah. It was really loud, wasn't it? But all I kept thinking was, I don't care if it's defected, I'll take it off your hands. I'll have it. Yeah. I'll have exactly. it. These crystal art pieces are like thousands of pounds. So I just was like, ah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously it got smashed they also visited so this is a i'm going to go through this really quickly now let me apologize first before i say this because this is a gaelic pronunciation so i'm going to just probably butcher it but brew Bora cultural center in tipperary charles and camilla learned a traditional irish dance routine and i absolutely love this the people around them was just so energetic and just really joyous you could see they were super happy to have a royal visit yeah yeah because i was so engrossed and 
following along with the Cambridges, I've seen bits and pieces of this tour, but I've not properly looked into it. But the bits that I did see, it, it was just so joyous and fun. And I really enjoyed the engagements that they attended and went on. When I was doing the research for this today, I remembered, oh yeah, they went there and they went there. I thought, oh my goodness, I fitted in so much. I think they were there for three days. Camilla went to Henry de Bromhead stables and, you know, she's patting all the horses, she's stroking them. Uh, but she also met Grand National winning jockey, Rachel Blackmore. This, I love this engagement. I mean, it's got to do with horses, but I just loved listening to Camilla talking to the horses. I just, oh, mm. I just love, she, she comes alive when she's around animals. Yeah. Charles went to Listen House, a 17th century manor house. And what I loved about this engagement is he was offered, it looked like a scone, but it might be like a little, um, a different cake. But he was offered some cake um, with some butter on. And he said, I wonder what it tastes like. And the lady behind him who gave it to him, she's like, don't worry, your security guards have already tasted all the food. So... <laughs> <laughs> and then Charles uh, said, oh, it's usually chocolate cake they really like. <laughs> you know? um, but it, it actually begs the question of security, doesn't it? Because they are offered lots of uh, food and drink when they're on these engagements. Mm. It is a, it's a matter of security that somebody would have to taste it. Well, I'm guessing so. I, I was just thinking of like Henry VIII's time when he used to have like someone taste his food so it wasn't poisoned. <laughs> With these days, I guess you could never be too careful. This is the future monarch, so... <laughs> Right, so moving on, uh, Camilla went to a tour of the Belfast Titanic Museum and get ready, cut a cake, Merry Merry! <laughs> for his 10th birthday. Charles was at Belfast Grand Opera House where it was reopened after the pandemic and he unveiled a plaque. Oh God, Charles, this is too much. <laughs> Honestly, get ready. Keep going, Royal Community. Stay with us. We've got this. They also visited the C.S. Lewis Square, um, you know, the author C.S. Lewis, um, through the East Side Partnership in East Belfast. And you can tell they just went around the square and had a look and it depicted some of the scenes from um, inside the books. And uh, Camilla was in her element, loving life. Camilla also went to Holyrood Arches Library with a knit and natter activity to combat isolation and loneliness right we're still going camilla visited the bbc northern ireland and bbc radio ulster she sat in the presenter's chair rach and then she was like no i'm a technophobe i can't do it (laughs) 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 Um, and she also was speaking about um her her covid uh experience she said she was out of it for about four or five weeks oh really yeah she's getting her strength back now but it really took it out of her um but i have to say she also unveiled a plaque but I have to say this plaque was one of the most beautiful plaques I have ever seen them unveil it was beautiful if you head on over and have a look at her visit to BBC Northern Ireland and uh, Radio Ulster have a look at this plaque it's absolutely spectacular so that was our whistle stop tour to the Republic of Ireland with Charles and Camilla honestly what an amazing and fantastic tour what I love the most I think is just seeing all the crowds that were so enthusiastic about seeing them there every person that they spoke to was just ecstatic about meeting Charles and Camilla that's lovely it is isn't it do you know what Shell? the only thing I would say about this is why did they pick and this isn't obviously Charles and Camilla, it's their team. Why did they pick the same week as the Cambridges? Because it was obvious that the Cambridges were going to get more publicity for being in the Caribbean. So it overshadowed Charles and Camilla's trip altogether. Yeah, but you know what? Um, I completely take your point on that. It wasn't a cataclysmic event within the royal calendar. 
it should have been on any other week, by the way. And you're right. It would be nice if they were on another week. Yeah. But actually, they made a difference to the people that they met there. And it did have, you know, the butterfly effect in Ireland, even though the eyes of the world was more on the Cambridges in, in the Caribbean. I just wish they would have picked a different week. That's that's all I'm saying is yeah. because I think they would have got more publicity for the, the work that they were doing than what they did because obviously all the front pages were full of Catherine I'm sure there's a reason why I'm sure there were you know logistically they tried their best but the show must go on and I think this is another thing now when we're looking at the royal family we've got two very prominent arms of the monarchy one's Clarence House one's Kensington Palace and sometimes they're going to overlap unfortunately so talking of the Cambridges let's finish up their tour of the Caribbean and they visited the Bahamas. That was the last stop of their tour. Now, they went to a fantastic street parade, the Bay Street Parade. And then they went to an evening reception held by the Governor General of the Palmers. And we saw that dress. That dress. And if you head on over to YouTube, we've actually picked the five best outfits of Catherine's throughout this whole Caribbean tour. And that dress made the list. Yeah, made the list. What number? You'll have to go out and watch the video to find out. <laughs> yeah. We then saw them at a regatta race. And this was absolutely brilliant because we got to see their competitive sides come out. Rach, did you see what their boats were called? No, what were they called? This was the highlight of the Bahamas for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so William was on a boat called Susan Chase. And... Um, Susan Chase and um, and Catherine was on a boat Ants Nest too. I was like, yes. Who comes up with these yeah. names? I mean, come on, it's better than Boaty McBoaterface or whatever. So oh, yeah, <laughs> they called that boat in the UK. So oh, Williams, God. Williams team one, and yeah, um, go, go Susan, Susan Chase. Chase. Yeah, and um, they so that was the regatta race they also went to abaco which was a community devastated by hurricane dorian i think it's been over two years now how much it's still affecting the local community Mm. and the devastation that it caused awful isn't it yeah i think uh, this engagement was very important for them to go on not because they haven't done anything like this before but i think because everything was so let's make some cocoa let's go and have a dance yes yeah definitely yeah it wasn't all you know this is this is the good bit this is the highlights of the bahamas they were showing what is still affecting the country as well yeah they also visited coral vita in if you remember this was the winner of the revive our oceans of the Earthshot prize amazing absolutely incredible i was looking forward to them going to visit coral vita because when i heard they were going to bahamas it clicked i was like ah oh, i think william's gonna take a, a, a nice little trip there yeah and when william saw and met the founders he's obviously spoken to them over video mm. before but he was like oh these are like these are the people these are the you know the champions and so that was really nice and they actually planted a coral as well oh we don't have anything planted a coral but that's amazing yes no. <laughs> amazing right and then we saw them uh now this was my favorite engagement at a fish fry where Catherine tried conch pistol which is described as nature's viagra and Catherine said I'm a little bit more adventurous than William is I can handle it and I don't know if you've seen the video you literally see her like chomping this conch yeah. pistol and there was and there was people like beside her like oh my god I can't believe she's actually eating it she's <laughs> eating it yeah I know I know I mean she holds a bird eating spiders yeah. she eats all the things people don't think she's gonna eat she gets in a rugby scrum <laughs> I know go Catherine yeah 
So obviously last week we spoke about the many controversies that have surrounded this whole tour. And I think it really shows that William and Catherine have really seen and listened to what has been going on because William actually wrote a speech and read it out. And he, I just want to read part of this speech because I think you really get a sense of what they've taken away from this tour. So he said, I know this tour has brought into even sharper focus questions about the past and the future. In Belize, Jamaica and the Bahamas, that future is for the people to decide upon. But we have thoroughly enjoyed spending time with communities in all three countries, understanding more about the issues that matter most to them. It is why tours such as this reaffirm our desire to serve the people of the Commonwealth and to listen to communities around the world. Who the Commonwealth chooses to lead its family in the future isn't what is on my mind. What matters to us is the potential the Commonwealth family has to create a better future to the people who form it and our commitment to serve and support as best we can. Yeah. Here, here. Here, here. And I think that's very telling because, as we said, you know, this is not being plain sailing this tour. There has been a lot of negative press. Yeah. It was kind of like a given, like when they were going to be going to these countries. I think we were kind of expecting it, but maybe not on the level that it was reported on. It shows William's humility that he's picked up on that. And, um, you know, their whole role is like what the Queen, we always say, service. That's the word, isn't it? Service, duty. Yeah. He's not saying I'm going to be the head of the Commonwealth. He's like, that's for the people to decide. It's for the Commonwealth family to decide. But even if I'm not the head, I still want to, we still want to be a part and to help in any way that we can. Well, let's talk about the media for a moment, because I got a bit angry this week. And the reason why is because I had on one hand, royal reporters who were on the tour with them and were defending William and Catherine with some of the allegations that were coming up from them. And then as soon as they came back to the UK, they then changed their tune and there was some really negative press out there. Yeah. So it seemed to me, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but from my understanding, and especially watching Princes in the Press, it just seemed to me like the, the paper wanted to actually go in a different direction and just go with the negativity. So that actually blindsided me in, in, a, in a way this week. I wasn't expecting that. What I think what I've seen and picked up of, especially through the photographers and the press that were on this tour with them, is that they kind of jumped to their defence, especially with what happened in Jamaica. That was very apparent because obviously they was there with them and they could see firsthand how um, people's reactions were to them. Yeah. And But like you said, it's the way the papers have run the story. It's not necessarily the reporters that are on the road with them. It's the narrative that the paper wants to go with. And then I had this thought, I was in M&S. I walked past the newsstand and I just saw all of this neg negative press about the royals. And I actually thought the way in which the royals are, they're sometimes a pawn in deflecting our attention as um, as the yeah. British public from other matters that people who are in power do not want us to be privy to. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're the scapegoat. Let's, let's pretend, pretend, for instance, they want to change some legislation and all of a sudden they'll just talk rubbish about the, the royals and then everyone's talking about that instead of actually talking about things that obviously is fabricated lies, but they're not actually talking about the thing that... It, it, 
what what's the word? It's like a red herring, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. They're trying to fr- throw you off. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the Royal Rams up for you this week. It's very succinct. It was very to the point, even though we had so much to cram into the Royal Roundup. And actually, lovely Elizabeth, who sent us an email, said the Royal Roundup was her favourite part of our <laughs> our podcast. So we made it extra long for you this week, uh, Elizabeth. <laughs> um, I also wanted to give a little shout out to Ginny, who sent us an email last week because she messaged about our episode. She said, I live in the United States of America, where a greatly cherished right is freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. The way I view it, however... No speech is also a form of speech. Talking with regards to the Belize protest, by the way, in the Caribbean, the protesters might have been better suited and made a greater statement to not not show up and not to have made a political statement. That being said, visit by a dignitary or royalty to another nation is a thing of honour and respect should be shown to that. And there's more gracious ways to address the situation by the Prime Minister of Jamaica. So I wanted to share her point of view with us all because I've never really thought of that, actually. No speech is actually still a protest, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. This this whole tour, I, I think... Um... I think you said it last week, actually, Shell, about Jamaica. You you thought it was Jamaica's way of saying goodbye to, like, the, obviously the Queen as head of state. Um, but I I think as well from what William said, I think they get the feeling that that's what all those three countries want. And only time will tell if that happens. But I definitely think it was a very clear and defining moment in the future of the the head of state role for the British monarchy moving forward. So that's it for the Royal Roundup. Lots to cover this week. Yeah. <laughs> but now we're going to head on to the Royal News, which is all about the service of Thanksgiving for Prince Philip. So let's move on to the Royal News. So on Tuesday, the service of Thanksgiving for Prince Philip was held at Westminster Abbey and it was lovely to celebrate Duke of Edinburgh's life with incorporated elements which would have been included in his funeral with people associated with his charities, patronages and Duke of Edinburgh awards attending. Now, we saw lots of European royals arrive at the Abbey. And I don't know if you saw, but they arrived in coaches. <laughs> I just thought this was so funny. No, I didn't see that. No, I didn't. Yeah. Was that on the BBC? I missed they that. They were arriving and I was like, they've got the Queen of Denmark in a coach. <laughs> <laughs> so once all the European royals were seated, then came our royal family. So we actually had murmurings at the start of the day saying that a few of the Queen's great-grandchildren would be at the service. And there was one reporter in particular, and I actually posted this on our story that said Prince um, George, Princess Charlotte and Prince Louis would be in attendance. And I, I actually said, till I see it myself, I, I, I'm not I'm taking it with a pinch of salt, basically, like I yeah. don't trust him. Like, <laughs> you know. So we had Mike and Zara Tyndall arrive with their daughter, Mia, and Peter Phillips with his daughters, Isla and Savannah. Then we also had the Kents the Gloucesters and then we was waiting for the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge would normally come before Charles and Camilla 
but Charles and Camilla actually arrived first, which I thought was a bit strange. And I don't know, maybe the Cambridges were running late. I'm not sure what happened. It normally goes in the line of secession as such, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I was very surprised at this. I was like, hang on a second, what's going on? Are they not turning up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it must be a logistics thing. It must, it had to have been. Yes. Because that's never happened before no. my, that I know of. So when they arrived, obviously Charles and Camilla met with the clergy and then we saw William and Catherine with Prince George and Princess Charlotte and this was so lovely to see them not just obviously because we like seeing them but I think it shows um, how much respect that they had for Prince Philip as a grandfather and a great-grandfather yeah and you could really sense that although you had all these other dignitaries and European royals this is very much a family occasion yeah, it was. It was lovely. Let's put it this way. Do you, know you s- sometimes see that you've seen a picture of the Queen with all her grandchildren? Mm-hmm. You kind yeah. of had that feeling of like you were looking at them in a in a private moment. Yes, I mean, it, and it was, but it it was, it it was. There was so much sadness, but also so much light and joy. Yeah, in the service. I think it brought that uh, new generation element to mm-hmm. the royal family. We're so used to seeing the old ones all the time. Especially yeah. with um, Peter and Zara's little ones. You hardly ever see them. No. And um, when there was the lineup of the clergy and you had Prince William and George, they were holding hands and, you know, George was made to shake everyone's hand. And, you know, this is basically the rest of his life, right? This is what he's going to be doing. This is going to be his purpose. This is going to be his vocation in life. Yeah, of course. And then you saw Princess Charlotte and she kind of like just took it in her stride and she seemed like such a natural. And there was a lovely photo and I actually posted it on our Instagram of Catherine and Charlotte together and speaking with the Archbishop of Canterbury. And she just did this like little smile. And I think I actually said to you, I was like, oh, Charlotte, like, I, I love I love George, but Charlotte would have made such a good queen, I think. <laughs> yeah, you, you're going to have a king, a king, and then we need another queen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we love George, don't get me wrong, but yeah, yeah. It, was, it was actually really lovely to see them there. But even now, just looking at them, you just realise what life they, they have ahead of them and how much pressure that is to be that young and have that much privilege but also to to be at the upper echelons of society and have to deal with all the things that come with that is is very stifling and this was actually the first big televised event I think that we've seen them at um like an official event as such I think really now we've spoken before about we don't need to see them like their children let them have their life but I think that they need especially with George they need to make him more privy to engagements such as this so he gets used to this because he just seems like very unsure of himself and I get it he's eight years old like what kid like he, he you know he's thinking why are all these people looking at me why are they taking photographs why do they want to shake my hand but as I said this is the life that he's going to lead for the rest of his life and that's why I actually disagree with you I think he should be kept away from that because then when his adult brain has chance to understand it He'll just show up more. He'll, he does. I don't think he needs to be broken in as such into this family mm. business, into this life of service. I think he needs to have, a, and he's got time, hasn't he? He's got two people above yeah. him, you know, three obviously, including the Queen, but two people above him that will fulfill that role. So he has time to just have a life. 
So the whole week before, it was, will the Queen attend? Will she not? Oh, I know. Will she be there? Will she be there? And then there was rumours that she was going to be, she would be there, but she wouldn't be going down the nave. She would come in a side entrance. And we did actually see her come through Poet's Corner, walk to her seat with Prince Andrew. Oh, you don't talk that name on the podcast. <laughs> oh. Now... Who thought this was a good idea to have Prince Andrew walk her to her seat? I just thought, have him there. Fair enough. That's his father. It's his Thanksgiving service. But why was he in such a prominent role? I just don't understand why that decision was made. I think this was a smoothing over the cracks from the Queen to say, look, he's still my son. This is a family matter. I, you know, I appreciate. Not approve of him, if that makes sense. Because let's put it this way: he didn't accept any blame. He all he did was pay somebody off, so he didn't actually then go and have a a civil case. So nobody got any justice. There wasn't anything. So actually, he's like, well, I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. I just gave some money to somebody who I supposedly have never met before, and that's it. But the Queen's actually saying he's still my son, regardless of all this stuff. He's still my son. And with the amount of respect the Queen has, and every all the eyes of the world was on uh, on that occasion, that was a big public um, tick for him, you know, because we we heard him murmuring the idea that he wants to come back into public service. No, no, no. no I'm I'm happy for him to just. You know, not, and we actually talked about this, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago? It might even be a couple of months ago on the podcast about whether he would be there. And we kind of made the decision he probably will be there. But Mm -hmm. can we not see him as much, please? (laughs) Can we just, like, not see him as much? I thought it would have been so amazing if the Princess Royal would have brought the Queen in. But then what what would the news have said? The the Queen disapproves of Andrew. It was a a lose-lose situation. Yeah, yeah. Really with this. And I just wanted to bring out the fact that the brooch that she was wearing, the Grimer Ruby brooch was commissioned by Prince Philip and created in 1966. So this was like a lovely little touch of him being there. And the Queen, the Duchess of Cornwall and the Princess Royal were all wearing Edinburgh green, a colour that was associated with, with Prince Philip. So there was like nice little touches like that. Yeah. And Shell, I don't know if you saw, but Lady Louise was wearing her carriage driving brooch. Oh, she wore that to the funeral as well, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. She had such an amazing connection with Prince Philip, especially because she liked the same interests as him. And Camilla was wearing the rifles brooch as well. And the rifles was the regiment that the Duke of Edinburgh passed on to Camilla as his very last public service engagement. Yeah. So it was a big deal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so nice, those little touches, like having the Queen's brooch and then Lady Louise and Camilla's and obviously wearing the... Um, Edinburgh Green as well. It was really nice to incorporate him in that sense. Everything has a meaning and everything's very thoughtful. So they wouldn't have left any stone unturned when it came to the Thanksgiving service. There was a moment actually, Shell, and I think I said to you yesterday that I wanted to bring up. And we said before, there's certain things on our Instagram, on our socials that we won't post about the Royals. And I did not like the fact that people were posting the video of Princess Beatrice crying. Yeah. I know. I didn't. I did not see the need for it. Like, yes, he's passed away now. He's been gone for nearly a year now, hasn't he? 
but she's obviously still grieving him and that that service probably brought it all back to the surface for her and I just thought I don't need to see a video of someone crying over the loss of her grandfather yeah how can I put this even though it was a public service it's still a private moment and those private moments they they actually need to be handled with care not oh look at this this you know woman crying I would expect them to cry I'd expect all of them to cry you know at the end of the day that's that's a very human moment to have she loved her grandfather I, I agree with you on that I'm glad we didn't post anything um I posted a picture of the queen and (laughs) <laughs> this again this picture was going around and I didn't post it for this reason but it was like oh the queen looks like really sad looks like she's crying I said to you I was like she's not crying I think she's got an eye infection or something <laughs> because <laughs> I saw her the other week on like an engagement on like a zoom call or something and her eye looked a bit bloodshot mm, I don't yeah. think she was crying I think she was obviously a bit you know upset but there was like another shot of her smiling so it's just again it's the way in that split second a photo is taken and it's your interpretation of that photo um but yeah I thought overall it was a lovely surface it's quite short and sweet it was only an hour long um there was a lovely element at the beginning they had a lady who was a participant in the Duke of Edinburgh awards scheme and she was actually saying how that has really helped her life and how it's like really affected her in her like going out for a job and you know her everyday life as well and I thought that was such a lovely element to bring someone in that has been championed by what is one of his legacies, right? Yeah, absolutely. I loved this element of the ceremony. And also, can you imagine having that much pressure put on you to talk, not only at a funeral, you know, sorry, at a Thanksgiving service for somebody's life, but in front of the whole royal family? And she did <laughs> so well. And at the end of the service, she actually had a little chat with the Queen before she left. And that was just so lovely, wasn't it? I just like that element of of it. We hear about the man. You know, we've got our own Prince Philip tribute episode. I think it's episode five or six Royal Community. And we know the legacy of him, but actually seeing it. And what I loved about the BBC's coverage of this is Hugh Edwards, um, before the ceremony started, you know, he always chats to a few Royal commentators or some people who've worked with Prince Philip. And... They, they cut into um, like certain charities that have been connected to Prince Philip. And there was one called Wickets. It was basically about bringing cricket to very like socially um, deprived and economically deprived areas. And I'd never, ever heard of this. You know, I'm, I'm not a massive cricket fan, but I'd never heard of this. They just showed all of the children who have been supported and have really benefited from Wickets. Again, Rach. That man's legacy is in the people that have benefited from every single thing that he's done and everything that he's created. He created, you know, the, the WWF um, charity, all the books that he's written, the Duke of Edinburgh Awards, obviously, to the amount of people that has, have benefited from his work and his passion and his desire to make the environment or people better. Yeah. That's what this service was about. It was about the the essence of the man rather than the epitome of who we think he is it was I just thought it was lovely um and a sweet moment was um Princess Charlotte sitting down and she looked over at Beatrice and they made made eye contact and they gave like a big smile to each other that was so cute and there was another video that's going around with Charlotte and I don't know like what she sees she sees something because she's like 
oh and then she like makes a face like it's <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. so, so funny I love to post it on our stories or on our um, main grid but it's just so cute um, yeah. And then as they were coming out of the Abbey, as they were leaving, they walked past Savannah and Isla and Mia and they was all like waving at each other. Oh, <laughs> it's so lovely because they're so close as a yeah, family, aren't they? Yeah, they're so close. Especially because they, they're the only ones who know what that's like to be in that fishbowl kind of focus on their family as mm-hmm. such. So it must they must lean so much to each other for support because nobody else knows how that feels to be them. Okay. Royal Community, this comes to no surprise, but I cried five times (laughs) watching the the Thanksgiving service. The one thing, actually, that upset me a lot um, was seeing the Queen and thinking to myself, with her her health recently and, um, you know, her age, that soon this will be something that I won't be seeing with my own eyes. Yeah. And there's only going to be so many of these um, big occasions that we will see the Queen at. And it just, Jill, like, and I'm not even saying that she's going to pass away in that sense. I'm saying that she's just retiring from public duty, mm-hmm. um, still of service in Windsor, but not in these big occasions. And it just, it just got me really choked up. You know, we're not going to see the fanfare and the Queen. That's going to be a thing of the past soon. And this was just one of those moments where I was like, this is just a really, I want to say monumental, but this is like a really monumental moment for us as a royal community to soak in and to not take these moments for granted with the Queen because we don't have many left. Absolutely. And I, again, I don't mean that as in she's going to pass away. I mean that in the sense that I don't think we're going to see her very much in public service as a, you know, a um, front facing. And I'm all for that, by the way. I think she should just chill in Windsor. But it just made me upset. Yeah. I think it's hard when you've lost somebody that you really, really love. And watching Prince Philip's um, Thanksgiving, I thought was a lovely way of the family, you know, extended and immediate to really honour him in a way that they would have liked to have honoured him had COVID not happened. And, you know, my nan passed away during COVID and we never had that. And she did have a COVID funeral. And um, it just reminded me of that. Just the fact that there's some amazing people that we've lost that have never really had the Thanksgiving that they deserved and the funeral that they deserved. And so it was just, do you know what, Rach? I'm just going to call it out. It was just so... We have a prime minister who is sat there in Westminster Abbey (laughs) at a Thanksgiving service. Opposite the Queen. Opposite the Queen, where he or his party was alleged to have had a party the day before the Queen had a COVID funeral for her partner of 73 years. And he had the audacity to just turn up like nothing had happened at Westminster Abbey. You know, I'm personally affected because I had a COVID funeral for one of the most important people in my life, my nan. And um, they were out eating cheese and crackers and having beer and and having a good time. Now, that's just me getting political here, but I actually thought it was very hypocritical for him to be there. Obviously, it would look bad if he wasn't there. But come on, that is the beauty of the Queen. Absolutely, yeah. That is the beauty of forgiveness. That is the beauty of wisdom and her fortitude and actually the amazing person that she is because 
that's got to be tough. Yeah. And I just hope that after that service, she went home, she went back to Windsor and, um, I don't know, maybe she met with some of the people that were at the funeral in terms of the wider European royals, because as we say, like they weren't just there for the sake of it. A lot of them are related to Prince Philip. Mm. Um, So I think it was really important that he had family members there that represented him because growing up, he had, as we know, a rough childhood, didn't he? He did. Shall we just go there, Rach, and talk about Harry not being there? I think Harry will regret this. I honestly do. I think he'll regret this for the rest of his life. How could he not seeing those images of other members of his family at his grandfather's Thanksgiving service and he's not there? And we've spoken about this before, you know, the issue of security. That was probably the most secure place in London on that day. And also, we know in a few weeks' time, he'll be going to the Netherlands for the Invictus Games. So he can go to the Netherlands, but he can't come to the UK. I'm sorry, but you've got no excuse and no leg to stand on because that would have been the safest place at that time. And even like you could have literally just flown in, gone straight there and flown straight out. It's not not about staying. But then that is his prerogative. And I think as we move on and the book comes out, and the podcast comes out and all the other stuff that's happening for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex this, this year, maybe, potentially, we'll understand the bigger picture. Right now, we can't see it. But I think he will, as you just rightly said, think he'll be really regretting that. What do you think, Royal Community? Do you think Harry would regret it? Do you think it was right that Prince Andrew led the Queen into the service? What did you think of the Prince Philip's service? Do you think it was right that Princess Beatrice had her private moments all over social media? What do you think of seeing Prince George and Princess Charlotte there? Do you want to see them more? Do you want to see them less? How did you feel? Let us know. Head on over to Keeping Up With The Windsors pod over on Instagram. You can also email us at keepingupthewindsorspod at gmail.com. And on YouTube, we've got lots of videos over there. So come on over and just search Keeping Up With The Windsors or for any pages, links, And anything we mention in the podcast, we'll always have the links in the description in the show notes. If you would love to support the podcast and keep us on the air, you can over on Ko-fi. You can buy Rachel and I a coffee. It's four pounds or six bucks. And in doing that, you're actually helping us to reach our goal. We're at 58% at the moment, Royal Community. Thank you so much for supporting us so far. Our target is to reach our yearly subscription for the podcast to keep us on the air. So thank you so much for supporting us in advance. So that's it for this episode. Join us next week on Keeping Keeping Up up With The the Windsors. Windsors.